wonderful to see you, and uh, it has been a great privilege for us to be among you, uh, to spend time with Jamie and Kim, and uh, to experience just their their um, hospitality, their their love, their generosity, and I know that when they do that, they're expressing you. They're expressing your hearts. Um, this church, uh, I believe, if there are ever going to be gravestones put over churches, you know, in history, when history has has had its way, um, the one that will be put over Cape Vineyard will say, generous to the point of death. You guys are amazing. What you have done, what you have said about God in the way that you have cared, fed the poor, the, the, uh, uh, rescued the, the homeless, um, done all of those things. That is such an expression of God's grace and love and life and kingdom. So thank you for having us. Thank you for your generous welcomes and your uh, being here and for buying all the books because I don't have any more uh, uh, space left over in my luggage to take them anywhere else. Um, so t today I'm continuing with the series that actually started accidentally, started last week, which is the series called Empowered. And last week we spoke about being empowered for life or being empowered by the life of God. Um, Today I want to continue that theme and talk about empowered for purpose. Empowered for purpose. You know, um, there are three kinds of people. There are people that make things happen. There are people that watch things happen. And then there are people that wonder what happened. <laughs> and I hope that most of you are in at least the first category um, and sometimes allowed to be spectators when something wonderful is happening as well, but not the third ones that are puzzled. We don't know why we're here. We don't know what we're doing. Uh, we don't know how to do whatever it is that we're supposed to be doing. And, um, and so it, very important for us in our lives, not only to find our purpose, to step into it, and to never quit on it. Um, uh, I, I work as a professional coach, um, as uh, the other side of what I do uh, in my life, and I'm, I've been uh, doing this a lot with, um, with people who have retired, people who have finished their, their working lives. And what I find over and over again is if, um, whether it's a man or a woman, whether, they're, whether they're, um, they've retired young or whether they've retired old, the, the fact is that the difference between he healthy, happy life and unhealthy, unhappy, deteriorating life is the question of whether they still have purpose, whether they know what it is. I said to you last week, the two most important days in a person's life are the day they were born and secondly, the day they discover why. Why were you born? What was, the, what was in God's mind? What, is, what was he thinking when he invented you? Because he was. He was thinking. In fact, it says that he was writing your story 
as he was knitting you together in your mother's womb, he was writing your story. He was saying, oh, this one, this one, this is going to be a handful. <laughs> to the devil, this one is going to be a world changer. You know, maybe it's going to happen particularly in this high school. It's going to happen particularly in the, in the uh, sports, in the realm of the sport that I'm giving them these particular strengths and muscles and coordination to be able to play this game of basketball that involves so many skills. And, uh, and as they do that, and as they do that with me in mind, I'm going to change the world through them. I'm going to change that world through them. And we read the stories of the famous people that have done that, but think about this, that billions and billions of ordinary people who have, no one has ever written their story, but they have changed the world just as much as those who the stories are written about. And that's why you're here. You're here because God has a wonderful plan for your life. You're a spiritual being having a human experience, not a human being having a spiritual experience. You're an eternal being. You're someone who is going to continue all the way to eternity. That's what it means when we say you're an eternal being. You're a spiritual being. It means you have no end. And let me tell you, your purpose has no end either. There is continued purpose. There is continued growth. There is continued realization of potential that goes beyond the grave. It's just a different form. It's a different dimension, but it's just as important, just as powerful. In fact, much more powerful. It is written, says Paul in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45, it is written, the first man, Adam, the first human, became a living soul. The last Adam, which is Jesus he's talking about there, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. And just as we have borne the image of the man of earth, so let us bear the image of the man of heaven. In that statement alone, I'm telling you what God's purpose was for inventing you. And when you were born again, the reason why you were born again was to fulfill that scripture, to be amongst the, the ranks of those who are life-giving spirits, who represent a life that is not just earthly, that, that is not driven by needs and, and uh, weakness and corruption and sin and uh, all, all of that kind of struggle, but is but that steps up to another level of engagement with reality, with life all around us, and goes, I'm here as an ambassador of another kingdom. I'm here to express to you that there's much more to life than just existence. The text I want to start with here is in Acts chapter 13, 36 which speaks about David and says, when David had served God's purpose, and uh, I think the word is supposed, should be plural, um, so that this translation has dropped an S there. When David had served God's purposes in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. 
uh, we'll leave the, the decay part out. But, uh, but, but, but here's the good news. David continued on the planet until his purpose, he, he had fulfilled God's purpose, and only then could he sleep. You're looking for a rest? You can rest when you're done. One fridge magnet I saw said, uh, God has given all of us just so much work to do. And right now, I'm so far behind, I'm never going to die. <laughs> what is purpose? Purpose is something that flows like a river through your life. The river has a strong current right in the center. It has banks that contain it. And it has sometimes other currents that go off in this direction, that direction, sometimes form a little eddy, sometimes form a little point of quietness and, uh, and allow the frogs to breed and what have you. But, but, the, but the river continues on. And, and your purpose is like that river. And every so often there will be this. So purpose is broader than a goal. A goal is something that happens within the sense of purpose. A, a particular moment will be like, so David served the purposes of God all the way through his life. We, we, we see the highlights of it in David's story. So he slew Goliath, and we say, wow, that's the reason why David was invented. And then he goes on, and he, he, um, he becomes this vagabond king, this, this person who has been anointed to be king, but is being chased from one end of Israel to the other by, by a king who is jealous of him. And who formed a ragtag little band of brothers that met in caves, that lived off the land, that, uh, and that nobody recognized except those few. They recognized. It says they crowned David king when they were in the cave of Machpelah, when they were, when they were kind of just uh, runaways. They were refugees. And we say, well, is that the purpose of God for David? And then there was that other part that we won't talk about when he, uh, when he did bad things with Bathsheba. So we'll skip that part, right? <laughs> I, I, I will tell you this. What David does show us is that you can come back from failure. You can come back from sin, and you can re-find your purpose. And so God takes him, and in fact, isn't it wonderful that the, that the offspring of David's sin becomes part of the bloodline of Jesus. That's called redemption. So let me tell you, if you've missed your purpose for any length of time and in any major way or minor way over the course of your life, God has a plan to redeem it and to bring it back and to put you back on track so that at the end of the day, you will be able to say, I have completed my job. God's in the redemption business. Ultimately, David became the king of that kingdom that was full of peace and prosperity that is the, is the prototype of this thing we call shalom. Shalom, shalom, shalom. When there was peace, when they had subdued their enemies, when they had established their homes, when there was prosperity for everyone, when their flocks and their herds and their, and their fruit trees and their, and their um, uh, fields were 
plentiful. Everybody was prosperous. And in that, God was saying, this, if you take this and multiply it by infinity, this is what the future of the world looks like. That my life will so pervade everything that this river of my, des my desire will flow so, to so many places that you won't be able to miss the power, the life, the love, the grace, the goodness of God. It will be everywhere. Overall, the purpose of God is this. God's macro purpose, God's big, big picture purpose is this. He declares it. He says, the earth will be covered with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And God is so intent, intent about that that he says it twice. He says it in the law and he says it in the prophets. His intent, Ephesians chapter 3, let me read it to you. Ephesians 3, 10 and 11 and 20 and 21. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, the good thoughts of God, the good plans of God, should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's plan is that there will be a Christian universe. Going on to verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. He is going to enthrone Jesus over every part of the universe. Paul's picture that he has started this message from is in chapter 1 of Ephesians where he says, He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure when he purposed which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to reconcile all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. To reconcile all things. To put all things into the right frame. To put all things into the right relation with one another. But every cell, every molecule, every star, every planet, every galaxy will have the name of Jesus imprinted on it. Including the ones in your body. Including those ones that are disobedient to you now. Including those ones that form wrinkles. They will all say Jesus. They will all represent His life, His goodness, His abundance, His strength, His love, His grace, His kindness. In the text that I've just read, watch for the intersection between these two words, purpose and glory. Purpose and glory. Because the purpose is that the glory will be revealed. The glory is the revelation of the purpose. So if you want to know the big picture answer to your question, what is my purpose? Your purpose is to reveal the glory of God. Your purpose is to live for His glory. If you don't believe me, let me read it to you in the Bible. It says in um, 
Uh, I have got it here somewhere. Oh, yes. It, it, it says in, uh, in Colossians 1, one of the texts that I've carried through my life, uh, that God has, has, has given the command to us to reveal this mystery, the, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. Christ in you as an individual. Christ in you as a church. And I say that again. The purpose of church is that you together be the expression of the glory of God. And another way of saying that is that you express the hope of the fact that this glory will be revealed in the world. That you together form this thing called the body of Christ, and that in the body of Christ, the glory of God, the, this thing called the glory of God is seen. In Romans chapter 5, verse 2, we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing in the glory of God. You share the glory of God. Not only do you receive it, but you give it away. I'm so glad that you're so enthusiastic about that. <laughs> so that, okay, let me, let me explain what, what uh, there, there are these other texts. Isaiah 60 verse 21. You guys say Isaiah. Isaiah. They are the shoot I have planted. They are the works of my hands for the display of my splendor. Revelation 4 verse 11. Verse 11 At the end of the ages... This is, this is the song that is sung. You are worthy, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power because you created all things and for your pleasure they were created. That's another word for glory. For your glory. For your pleasure. So what does glory mean? It actually means the exuberant pleasure and boasting of God. So it's a verb. When God glories, he's actually bragging. He's going, just look at my kids. Just look at my, how my life is being shown through them. He brags on you. He brags on his church. He says, I know some people look at the church from a different perspective, and what they see is um, pain and heartache and sometimes failure and sometimes terrible things that are done in his name by people who call themselves Christians or Christian leaders. That's how people see the church. He says, you should see it from here. God says, you should see it from here. What I see from here is the, the big majority is of people who have been forgiven of their sins, who have changed their lives, who have seen me change them from being unloving uh, scoffers to being loving, generous, giving away of grace people. You should see it from here, says the Lord, when other people say, well, you know, church is no, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And so the Cape Vineyard, instead, when a hurricane blows through their town, they, st they start to say, well, we don't need to go to church. We are going to be the church, and we're going to show you what li God's life looks like. You didn't do it for... You didn't do it for their imp to impress them. 
You did it because the life was just overflowing out of you. And it manifested itself in generosity of time and energy and money so that you fed thousands of people thousands of meals. And if it's never told on this planet, it will be told in heaven. They, they look at it and they put their hands over their mouths. That's the other word for glory. Glory is something that causes amazement. When a person's strength is shown and people go, oh, wow, did you see that? The glory of God is that. When he, when he manifests this incredible love, this incredible grace, generosity, goodness, kindness through Ordinary people, people who have been cantankerous and self-centered and uh, unholy and ungrateful and disrespectful and even teenagers. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's wonderful. You know, that's, when you look at this, when you look at these lives, when you look at what you guys did, how you, how you responded in that time of disaster and how you're still responding, what that, what that tells me is this is the work of God. It's not the work of you. You're not as holy as you look. One of my heroes in life is a young lady uh, called Jackie Gallagher who came and when I was pastoring a church in Johannesburg and she came and sat in my office. She's a school teacher. And she said, I, I just want to share something with you. And she started talking about the children. It was just as apartheid ended in South African schools um, when uh, my late friend uh, F.W. de Klerk had canceled the, the legislation that made the, that made the schools uh, segregated under apartheid legislation. And so all of a sudden, anyone could go to any school that they wanted to, but there was such a gap between the two levels, standards of education between white and black people in South Africa that the, that the, black, the previously disadvantaged black kids were struggling to keep up with the educational level. She said, this is not fair, this is not right. I, we need to help these kids to be able to compete in the new dispensation. And so she started a thing that was like a bridging school. It started as a bridging school. It is now an institution that has five schools, including a trade school, and that has over 6,000 children of all ages, starting from preschool and going right through to college age, that, are, that, that is, that is uh, producing leaders and, and, and kids who have changed the lives of their, of their uh, uh, families because of what they have accomplished. So Jackie Gallagher sits in my office and she's weeping and she's talking about these kids and she's saying, do you think that's the Lord? This is what I want to do. She says, do you think that's the Lord? I said, Jackie, you're a lovely person, but you're not that lovely. <laughs> you're a good person, but you're not that good. That takes the grace and the glory of God being manifest through you to be able to come up with something like that yeah. and then to do it. And they've just celebrated their 20-year anniversary in, in Sparrow Schools and, um, and, and all of the sus 
the sustenance, the, the continuation of it all, the sustainability of it has been an expression of the fact that this is God. So the plan of God, the purpose of God is that his glory should be seen. That which causes wonder and amazement to angels and to humans. But my favorite way of describing the glory of God is, I use a word, the, the Hebrew word means copiousness. You know copiousness? Do you know what copious means? Copious? Here's another, another way of saying it. I'm, I invented a word to describe it. It means the too muchness. The too muchness of God. Like, you know, when the, when the Holy Spirit filled the house that they were gathered in in Acts chapter 4, it says that they were in the house, they were crying out to God, and there was a, an earthquake. The, the doorposts shook. You know what that was? That was God coming into the house. He's just too big to be contained by the house, and so he kind of nudged the doorposts on his way in. And then he shook the house while he was there. That was just God sitting down and saying, I I just came because I enjoy your company even more than those angels. Anyway, the point about too muchness. I sent this message when when you launched the honey truck uh, that um, I've always used this illustration for glory. Picture... A little boy, and, he's, and he's, he loves honey, and, he, um, and his mom has got a big bucket of honey. And so she says, you want some honey, honey? And, uh, and he says, yes, mom. So she pours it into his hand, and he's licking it up. And then as he's doing that, she starts pouring it into the other hand. And now he's got two hands and he's holding it like this. And the honey is overflowing out of the hand and it's running down his tummy and it's covering his legs and running on, onto his feet. And he's, and he's trying to eat it and he's swiping it into his hair and into his ears and up his nose. And it's like the honey is everywhere. And, and eventually there's more honey than there's kid. And when you touch that child, you get honey. And when you kiss that child, you taste honey. And when you embrace that child, you're carrying honey too. You're infected with the honey that he is infected with. And the honey gets passed on, and the dog gets it, and and the furniture gets it, and everything gets covered in the honey because you've let loose this honey bomb in your house. That's what happens to you when the glory of the Lord covers you. The too muchness of God cannot be contained. It overflows. It runs everywhere. It it affects the, the way that you affect your world. The too muchness of God. The copiousness of God's love and grace and goodness. And it overflows in, um, in ways in which you touch other people's lives. See, the other word for glory, the very basic word for glory means God's life overflowing or revealed. God's life. What does God's life look like? It looks like love. It looks like care for the poor. It looks like healing the brokenhearted. It looks like good news. It looks like, hey, your life is going to be different because we're in town. 
It looks like um, forgiveness. It looks like encouragement for the downhearted. It looks like hope for the hopeless. It looks like grace. That's the grace. That's the glory of God. The life of God overflowing. It looks like what we saw yesterday. A house being rebuilt after a hurricane blew it over. By people who loved and cared and gave sacrificially time, energy, money, whatever it was, in order to see a family restored to the place where they needed to live. That is the glory of God. That is the kingdom of God. That is the life of God overflowing. Sometimes it's not even noticed. Sometimes it's not rewarded, except in heaven. That's why Jesus said, when you do this stuff, don't bother about announcing it. Don't keep an account. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So here's the best news about this thing called the purpose of God, which is revealing the glory of God, is that it doesn't end when you die. When you die, you just go to another dimension in which you keep on. You thought you were going to get a rest in heaven, right? No. You will get a body that is, that is, like we said last week, a body that is completely unaffected by the amount of work that you'll be doing because you're going to be doing intergalactic travel to go and, um, and fix things on planet Eeyore or whatever it is. To go and and uh, get some angels to behave themselves. To manifest God's love continually and eternally. You discover purpose as you continue to follow Jesus who did this. It says of Jesus when he, his life is bracketed by two statements he makes. The first statement is, this is why I'm here. Let me announce my purpose to you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to release the oppressed, to open the prison doors to them that are bound, to proclaim release to the captives, and to, and to heal the brokenhearted and to open the eyes of the blind and to announce the year of the Lord's favor. More like a couple of thousand years of the Lord's favor. And he closed the book and said, that's what I'm about to do now, watch me. And then he went out and did it and healed and delivered and opened the prison doors and opened the eyes of the blind and did everything that he announced in his purpose statement. And then at the end of his life, that's the other bracket, at the end of his life, he comes to the Father. And by the way, before he gets to the end of the prayer, he starts it like this. He said, now my soul is troubled. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. For this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. At his darkest moment, the, the, the dark night of his soul, Jesus knew that he was not there by accident. He was there on purpose. 
There are some of you that are experiencing, and by the way, it's normal. It's absolutely normal when we go through suffering, when we go through bereavement, when we go through disasters. The big question that immediately happens to us, it's universal, is why? Purpose is the answer to the question why. Your purpose is your why. And the, and the answer to the question why is because God wants to show you that his life is bigger than the darkness that you're in. That his healing is stronger than the pain that you're in. That his forgiveness is much more powerful than the sin that you're in. His purpose is that he can show you how powerful, how strong, and how unconditional is his love and grace toward you. Immeasurable is, a, is the word Paul uses. This book of Ephesians, Paul uses big uh, words that, um, that he kind of almost runs over himself to say. So, let me finish. What is your individual purpose? So the big purpose is we're all here to display the glory of God, to display his splendor. Individually, what that will look like is that he takes your unique gifts and talents. He has made you with some of those. He has equipped you with some of those. He has, he has called you into those. Like he's called you into a marriage. Did you know that? Your marriage is not just the choice you made. Your marriage is your calling if you're married. And some of you, the calling is to be single. I don't understand that one, but anyway, I'll just leave that with you. Find out if it is. And here's how you'll know. How do you know that something is your calling? You want to do it. This is the new covenant. It's no longer a matter of you should, you ought, you must. It's now a matter of you, you love to, you want to, and you get to. In the new covenant... It is no longer a matter of you should, you ought, you must. Now it's a matter of you, you will love to, you want to, you get to. You get to feed the poor. You get to give a word of encouragement to someone. You, you get to, you, it comes up in, the, in a want to, right? How many of you have done this? The first time you ever prophesied. Anybody? I know how it went for me. Like it started and I was going, I want, I want to, I want to, but I don't want to. I want to, but is this me? Is this you? Is this me? Is this you? Is this me? Is this you? And the Lord said, it's both of us, Turkey. Just speak. <laughs> and so I spoke. And as I spoke, I realized this is what I was born for. That's purpose. You see, purpose is something that will feed you, that will give you back, that will say to you, this is why you were made. This is why you had that talent. You remember Eric Liddell, the, uh, the guy who ran and the, the Chariots of Fire movie? And how because of his convictions, he wouldn't run on the Sunday, and so they entered him for a different race than what he had trained for all his life. And somebody said to him, why do you want to do this? Why, do you want, why is it so important for you to still run, even when you think, you know, you're going to be beaten because this is not your race. And he said this, he said, because, he said it with a Scottish accent, 
which I know will please Jamie. Because when I run, I feel his pleasure. He's talking about God. When I run, I feel his pleasure. When you step into the purpose of God, you feel his pleasure. He goes, boy. that's my boy. That's my girl. I love what you're doing. It gives me joy. It makes my chest swell with pride, saith the Lord. When you're doing what he ran you down for. He gave it to you by creation. He, he, he informed you about it by calling. And he empowers you to do it by his life, by his love, by his grace. By the grace of God, says Paul, I am what I am. And he says, and I worked harder than any of them, yet it was not I. It was the grace of God that was with me. It was the glory of God to use the metaphor we've been using. And so you, here's, here's, what, you'll, here's what you'll do. Some of you will, be, will feel that pleasure when you feed the hungry. Some of you will feel that pleasure when you prophesy. Some of you will feel that pleasure when you preach. Some of you will feel that pleasure when you encourage the, the discouraged, when you heal the broken, when you heal the brokenhearted, or when you heal the sick. Some of you will feel that pleasure just in the cooking of the meal, Richie. You feel the pleasure of God because he's given you the gifts, he's given you the want to, and everything else falls into place. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will fall into place. He orders your steps. That's how you'll know. It starts, however, oh, by the way, I didn't add some of the flip side of the coin, is this? Some of you will feel his pleasure when you endure suffering with joy. God needs some people in there, just like he did with Job. He said, have a go at my servant Job and I'll show you what this grace thing is doesn't matter what you do to him, he will not curse me. I tell you what, in the middle of it all, he will praise me. And that's what Job said, isn't it? In the middle of the pain, to say, Lord, though you slay me, yet I will praise you. The glory of God is seen. The purpose of God is revealed. Some when you die well, I told you last week about our ex-president, F.W. de Klerk, who I had the privilege of escorting through the pearly gates into, into his eternal rest. And, uh, and, he, and he said, Costa, I am anticipating death with wonderment. And I tell you what, people looked at that death and they said, there is a God because of the way he died. Just like the centurion on Calvary that day, it says, when he saw how Jesus died, he said, surely this man is the son of God. Not in his resurrection, not in the glory, the big, big G, glory, but in the glory of dying with faith, confidence in God, and with a victory cry that said, I've done my job. That was the end of Jesus' life. He said, Father, I have glorified your name by completing the work which you gave me to do. 
I've fulfilled my purpose. So you find it here. Here's how, how you begin to find your purpose. I told, told you about Tom last week, and Tom is here again. And uh, the Tom that missed church that time that we spoke about last week, at another, on another occasion, Tom went like this. He said, Jesus, how do we know the way? How can we know the way? In other words, how can we know the end? How can we know our why? How can we find our purpose, our direction to where you are going? And Jesus said, Tom, I am the way. You want, you want purpose? Let me introduce you to the God who is your purpose. St. Augustine said it like this, Lord, thou hast made us for thyself. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. You'll find your purpose when you meet the one who is the way. But not only is he the way, he's also the truth. That means he's the, he's the, he's the kind of mid-course correction guy. That means when you turn to the right or to the left, you will hear a word behind you saying, no, 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 no. It's got a Jewish accent, so he says it like that. He goes, no, 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 just a slight, you know, five degrees to the left. He'll direct your steps. He'll order your steps. But he's also the life. What does that mean? It means he's the energy. When you go, oh, God, I'm too tired. He says, that's okay. You can have some of my strength. When you go, oh God, I'm done loving these people. I haven't got any love left. He says, that's okay. I've got plenty for both of us. You can have some of mine. When you go, God, I don't know how to believe for this thing that needs. I don't have the faith for this thing. He says, it's okay. You can live by my faith. I'll give you some of mine. He's the way, he's the truth, and he is the life. So it starts there. And then after that, let me encourage you. Delight yourself in the Lord and let him put desires in your heart. What are the want-tos that come up? That's going to be the indicator of purpose for you. Calling, gifting. Probably everything that, apart from sin, everything that you really want to do is part of the way that God is directing your steps. So go with that. Ask your friends, what do you get from me? What, what do you see in me that actually reminds you a bit of Jesus? Because you see, that's the overall purpose, is that you need to remind people of Jesus. You need to leave some honey around. You need sticky fingerprints. Sticky fingerprints, sticky with the glory of God. Let's stand I want us to take a moment to let God bring this home in our hearts. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I just want you to come now again. And display your heart toward your people. Lord, let this be a moment in which the people of Cape 
vineyard, just know your pleasure. Just the fact that you, that you say over them, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of my grace in you. I'm so proud that you have allowed my life to be seen in and through you. Lord, come and take up the dance. Take up the, the dance. <laughs> come, Lord, and dance over your people. The Lord your God in the midst of you is mighty. He will sing. He will dance over you. He will rejoice over you with joy. And so, Lord, I pray, come now and let people know your favor, your pleasure. And in that moment, speak and give us the access points. Give us the on-ramps again into our purpose individually and together. Come in Jesus' name. Come, Lord. Come, Lord.